new series, and it's entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? Who do you think you are? We're actually beginning a new theme for the year, and it's about discovering our identity in Christ. So when we ask someone, who do you think you are, there's a couple ways that that question can come across, doesn't it? Well, who do you think you are? That's not necessarily how we're saying it. Sometimes if you step out of your place, in a lot of places that we're at, we have a role. And if you kind of overstep your boundaries, people will say, well, who do they think they are? All better than us. But I'm excited about this new series because I believe that this year in 2016, the Lord's put this on my heart. I believe if you'll allow God to show you who you really are in Christ Jesus, that you will grow more in one year than what you've grown. This is something that's missing in many people's lives, understanding who they are in Christ Jesus. And when they grasp that concept of who they are, that things begin to change. I want you to hear that again and again until you're able to identify anything that is false, any statement, any thought that comes into your mind that doesn't identify with what God says about you. I want you to be able to identify that instantly and say, that's not true. That's not what God says about me. I want you to be able, whenever people say something to you, sometimes, maybe not often, but on occasion, people will say things that cause you to question yourself or maybe make an accusation against you or the enemy brings an accusation against you. I want you to be able to identify those things. So we're going to go over this again and again throughout 2016. Now, how many of you have heard of identity theft? You know what that is? Someone tries to steal your identity so that they can have access to what is rightfully yours. Now, this year, at Christmas, my sister Terry, she said to me, I got you something. She said, did you know you have a wallet? And I was like, well, yeah, I got a wallet. And then Terry said to me, I got this wallet. Did you know people can walk by and they have these machines and they can scan the credit cards in your pocket? your credit card number for like extension or something like that. I was like, I don't know whether all that's true or not. I, I hear that it is, but Terry got me a new wallet and she says, it's got stuff in it. It'll protect you. It'll protect your credit cards. I don't know if it, I, I guess it does. So, I, you know, I got, I'm carrying around a new wallet, but it's, it's got like some protection. So if anyone comes up by me and has like a scanner or something, they can't get my identity. I don't worry about that as much as I worry about someone else who's been trying to steal your identity for a long time. There's people who have got these machines where they can evidently scan your credit cards and do that. There's also a lot of times people call on your home phone and they want to talk to you. They want to have access to your computer. Once they get onto your computer, they want to get access to your hard drive and get all your information out there. Again, I'm not an expert about scamming people under credit cards or about scamming people under computers. I like to frustrate the plans of someone who's trying to steal something from us. I think today, if you'll listen closely to the Word of God, that God wants to frustrate the plans of the one who's trying to steal away what rightfully belongs to you. That God wants to throw a roadblock in this path, and instead of you being anxious and nervous and frustrated and being a victim, that we walk in the victory that Christ has already established for us. God wants you to understand and know His 
school district. I'm Landon's dad, or Logan's dad. I'm Tammy's brother. If you go to John Deere in Adamstown, I'm Frankie's brother-in-law. Some places I'm Uncle Steve. Some places I'm a big brother. And some places I'm introduced as my little brother. I'm John and Mabel's son. I'm a friend. I'm an old classmate. I'm a neighbor. I'm a former student of. I'm a colleague. Last week I was referred to as Little Stevie. Now it's been a while. I haven't lost that much weight. It's been a while since I was referred to as Little Stevie. Some places I'm Mr. Richie. Some places I'm the Reverend Richie, a pastor. Some places I'm a valued customer. For some places I'm a potential donor. I've been a board member, an employee, a boss, a supervisor, an alumni. I've been at the top of the class, and I've been among the worst in the class. To some, I'm a great guy. To others, I'm a jerk. I'm an inconvenience. But I think you get the idea. These things all change. It's funny, if you work with people, maybe you work in a store or something, work with the public in one place, you are the best. And the next customer that comes in, you, you know, you're a thief and a liar, and to save your life, wow, you're wonderful. And then the next side, that the very next customer says that you're a thief and you're trying to rip them off. If we're not careful, the understanding of who we are will change. But what people's opinions about us, and whether or not things are going your way, don't really affect your true identity, who you really are. Because God is the one. His opinion and his understanding of who you are, what he says about you, is the truth. God wants you to know today that there's going to be numerous things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. But the first thing I want you to know today is that you are accepted. Look to the person next to you and say, I've been accepted. Think of all the things that people do to be accepted by somebody. Think of all the money that they spend to be accepted by people who they don't know, to be approved of by people who will never actually know them personally. Today, if you have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've already been accepted by God. We're going to look at a number of different portions of Scripture, different verses, and we're going to just hammer home this point that we've been accepted. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The first thing is, I'm a child of God. Look to the person next to you and say, I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. God is my Father. He says, to all who believed on His name, He gave the right. With the right comes all the privileges that belong to the children of God. And you and I, we are the children of the Most High God. The Creator of the universe is our Father, and we are children of the Most High God. He gave us that right. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 tells us this, and write this one down. I have been adopted into God's family. I've been adopted into God's family. And notice what the verse says. 
It says he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will in God's foreknowledge. He predestined us. So before you were born, before you were born because of God's foreknowledge, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and his will. In other words, because God says, I delight in doing this, because I choose to do this, because this makes me happy, because this is what my heart longs for, I want them to be a part of my family, and so I choose them. I chose you. That's what God says. God says he chose you. He picked you out before the foundations of the earth. He picked you out for his pleasure, for his joy. So we didn't come to God as beggars saying, God, let me be a part of your family. God came to you and to me. No man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. You didn't choose God. God chose you. Get that in your head. Get that in your heart. It wasn't like I stood in line and he had, well, I got room for two more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really want you, but I got an open bed. Come on. I got an open room. Come on, though. God, in his good pleasure, he chose you before the foundations of the earth. He predestined us because he knew. He said, Sam, I want Sam to be a part of my family. I want him to be my son. I want to adopt him into my family. No one forced God to do that. He adopted you into his family. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, it says this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. Why are Christians not immortal people? Because we are not our own. We've been bought with the price. We glorify God. That's why as believers, that's why immorality, sexual immorality does not go in line with being a follower of Jesus. That's why if you've done that, that's why it feels awkward to you. That's why it feels wrong. Because you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. I've been bought with a price and I belong to God. You are God's. He paid the price for you. You belong to him. The fourth thing that we have here. I have been redeemed, and I have been forgiven of all of my sins. Look into the person next to you say, I've been redeemed. And all of my sins have been forgiven. Listen to me. All of my sins have been forgiven. I have been redeemed. Why? Listen to this verse. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. A lot of times people struggle with, even after they come to know Jesus, they'll say, well, okay, I know that he forgave me for the things that I did before, but I've made some mistakes now. I've messed up now. I've blown it. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus is the overpayment. You've heard me say this before. He's the overpayment for your sin. We look at our sin, and there are certain sins that people look at and they say, well, that one's not that big of a deal. The Bible says that he's been forgiven little, loves little. He's been forgiven much, loves much. And so there's some of the things that we look at and we're like, well, I don't 
complaining too much grace there. But maybe there's some other areas of your life where you say, wow, I really need God's grace here. And when you have an understanding of the holiness of God, and if you've not had this, I pray that someday you'll have an encounter where you experience that, where you come to a realization of how sinful we really are. That's really good for us. It's good for us to come to a place where we understand how sinful we really are. It overwhelms us because we feel this sense of hopelessness and, oh, God, it causes us to call out and say, I need a Savior. I can't fix this. I can't make this right. No matter how great your sin is, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. When I say he's the overpayment for your sin, your sin may be huge in your eyes. But Jesus, his grace and his sacrifice was so much bigger than what your sin was. There's something left on your tab still, okay? Jesus, no matter how dark your sin was or how horrible it was, the sacrifice of Jesus, this perfect Lamb of God, is so much bigger than your sin and mine. It's amazing. And so when we say to you that Jesus is the overpayment for our sin, we understand that he put his life down on the line for you and me. So his grace is enough. His blood was enough. His sacrifice on Calvary was enough. You don't have to try to work your way to be good enough for God. All what you have to do is by faith believe that what Jesus did on Calvary was sufficient for you. It was sufficient for what you did in the past. It's sufficient for what's going on in your life, and it'll be sufficient to carry you into eternity. His sacrifice was more than enough for us. So we have been redeemed. We've been paid for. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 tells us this. It says that I have been justified. One of the things that I try to teach my family and my kids and stuff and try to teach as a congregation is this, that you've probably heard me say it before. If we try to justify ourselves, God can't do it. Okay? If we try to justify ourselves, God can't justify us. So either God's going to justify us or you can go ahead and try. All right? But we have been justified through faith. Romans 5, chapter 1. Therefore, it says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, by putting your faith in him, by relying upon what he did on Calvary, you have been justified. Your sin has been paid for. Because you've been justified, you now have peace with God, so you can enter into God's presence without feeling embarrassed or ashamed or humiliated or without feeling like you have to turn your head or look away. Do you know what I'm saying? You've been justified. You've been made right with God. And now you have peace with God. We have peace in our hearts. And we have peace for the entity that separated us from God. It's been taken care of because our faith has been placed in Jesus. We say, Lord, I believe that what Jesus did is enough. And so when you stand before God, please don't ever tell him all the good things you did. Don't say, I taught Sunday school at Lighthouse. God, you know I was in the nursery. God bless you nursery people. God, you know I was in nursery twice a month. You gotta, you gotta let me in. I spent 13 years, 13 years at kids' church. Please, God. 
much you gave. Don't tell him how much you served. Don't tell him that you're a member somewhere. Don't tell him that you laid hands on somebody or that you prayed or how long you prayed. When you stand before God, this is you think, Lord, my only hope is Jesus Christ. Lord, my only hope is what he did upon the cross. I don't have anything else that I can cling to. There's nothing else that I can lay before you that's worthy, but I've put my hope in what Jesus did. That's where my hope is. And because of that, we are justified. We are made right with God. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this, But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So I am united with the Lord, and I am one with Him. His Spirit now comes and lives inside of me. His Spirit abides in you. You're His. The Scripture says that His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. We're the children of God. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit because the Spirit of Christ comes and lives and dwells in you. And that's why... Whenever you try to go back out and do the old things that you used to do, it don't feel the same. It's, it's, not, it's like, no, it's, it kind of ruins us. That's why. Because His Spirit lives and abides in you, and you have been made one with Christ. One final thing I want to mention to you today, and that's this. I've been accepted in Christ. I'm now a friend of God. I've become His friend. I remember when they first started singing that song, I'm a friend of God, and I was like, man, that's an awesome song. But there's something about the message of what it says. It's taken from Scripture, John chapter 15, verse 15. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me. Hear this, friend. But I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I think we said that earlier at the beginning, didn't we? Those are Jesus' words. You didn't all of a sudden one day, after reading a track, say, Oh, God, I want you. Long before you ever made that decision, God chose you. He sought after you. You cannot come to the Father. No man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. It's impossible. For a lot of people, they'd be content to be a servant of the Most High God. They think that's a real high place, and that's a wonderful place. But Jesus says, I don't call you servants. I call you friend. I call you a friend. So as you go out of here this week, I'm hoping that you will you will write, put those things down. Put them on your mirror. Put them on your refrigerator. Put them on your car. Might you drive truck? You might want to put them on your steering wheel. And it says that first of all, it's that this week we're just understanding this: that I'm accepted by God. I'm accepted. What does that mean? This is what it means. It means I'm a child of God. Look to the person next to you and say, "I'm a child of God." Say, "No, I really mean that I'm a child of God." Look to him again. Say, "I've been adopted into God's family." Let's say it one more time. I have been adopted into God's family. The next one. Say this one. We're going to say it twice, but just say it nice and loud. I've been bought with a price. And I belong to God. One more time. I've been bought with a price. And I belong to God.
sense. One more time. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all of my sins. I have been justified. One more time. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord and am one spirit with Him. United with the Lord and am one spirit with Him. One more time. I am united with the Lord and am one spirit with Him. And I am now a friend of God. One more time. I'm going to tell you this. If you will allow the Lord to get His Word in the next few weeks, next week we're going to be giving you some scriptures, and we're going to ask you over the next few months that you'll take these scriptures and you'll begin to read them. You'll begin to let them soak into your heart and soak into your spirit of who you are. See, because here's the thing. In a lot of places, I go from being a great guy to an inconvenience, right? It's something. You can be a great guy to an inconvenience on from one customer to the next. You can go from being a winner and you're special and you're wonderful to I hate you. I can't stand you. It's amazing. The worst part is the things that we say in our own heads. And if we can change anything this year, that's what I would like us to change. I'd like us to be able to line up our thoughts, our thinking, with what God says about us. I don't want you to believe a bunch of junk, a bunch of Terms of hype, I want you just to listen to what does God say, because His word is truth, and His truth sets people free.